Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. Now, this episode features the first chapter of Haunting Dreams, a Paula Mitchell P.I. mystery written by Jan Christensen. It was published in December of 2019 and is available for purchase. It's read by local actor Ariel Lynn. If you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks. Shouting from the restaurant's kitchen caught everyone's attention. People talking and the clatter of cutlery and dishes ceased. I heard a gunshot. Someone screamed. And everyone else scrambled to either get under a table or rush to the door. I rose from the booth, grabbed my gun from its holster at my side, and dashed toward the kitchen, vaguely aware of a young waiter running behind me. I pushed the swinging door open, hitting someone on the other side. The waitress crumpled to the floor, her tray flying, food with it. Leaping over the woman's leg, I skidded to a stop when I saw a man in chef's clothing lying on the floor blood leaking from a wound in his leg. I became aware of people standing like statues at the grill and prep areas. I squinted at the back of a person running out of the kitchen door to the back parking lot. Two servers kneeled down to help the victim, so I gave chase to the fleeing figure. The runner climbed into a small, white car. He or she turned to look at us, and I blinked in surprise to see... Dolly Parton? I quickly realized it was a mask. Should have known. I doubted Dolly would drive a compact, let alone shoot someone. I cocked my gun and aimed for a tire. Missed. I didn't want to shoot the person because it might not be the one who injured the chef. Although the mask almost proved that it was. As the car careened out of the lot, I tried for a tire again, but missed again. Swearing to myself... I chase after it, aware the waiter was still behind me. You'll never catch him, he yelled. I know, I thought. Even if I rushed to the front lot and tried to follow him in my Mustang, I'd be too late. I watched the car become smaller and smaller and stopped running. Bending over, clutching my knees, I gasped. The waiter stood beside me, breathing heavily. You know who that was? I straightened up, puffing the cold air, making the puffs look like smoke. Taking a deep breath, I holstered my gun. Dolly Parton? He chuckled. With that mask on? No idea. He could run really fast. You're sure it was a man? Pretty sure. Tall for a woman. The way he moved. I nodded. Good observations. How come you didn't run away or hide? He laughed. Why didn't you? I studied him a moment. Early twenties, maybe ten years younger than me. Tall, trim, nice wavy brown hair, clear blue eyes, a straight nose and a cleft chin. The only imperfection I noticed was his voice. A little high, Reedy, an accent, not New England. We walked toward the restaurant. I'm a private investigator, who 
Obviously needs more gun range time. I can't believe I missed. Twice. The waiter shrugged. It happens. I'm Craig Coleman. I stopped and held up my hand, told him my name while we shook. His grip was warm and firm, but not bone-crushing. He smiled, then I blinked. Pushed away the jolt of attraction. So, you're familiar with guns? He looked away from me and started walking again. It took me two steps to catch up, even though I'm tall for a woman. We'd reached the kitchen door, so I didn't say anything else. Chaos when we entered. One waitress was weeping, another one hunched over her cell phone in a corner. Someone had wrapped a white apron around the victim's leg. Blood had already soaked through. The man, about 35, I guessed, fought the pain with clenched teeth and a frown. I noted brown hair and eyes, but his features were distorted, so I wasn't sure I'd recognize him again. A man in a black, pinstripe suit stood wringing his hands. I recognized him as the owner, Lucas Tyson. I approached him. Mr. Tyson? Has someone called the police? He nodded, barely glanced at me. His gaze was fixed on the victim. Were you here when this man was shot? I asked. Tyson's gaze slowly turned to me. No, I was in my office. Did you see the shooter when he ran away? Tyson stared at me. Who are you? You with the police? No, I'm not. I'm a private investigator. I realized I'd left my battle bag at the table and began to panic. I need to go find my purse. My ID is in there and a ton of other things I'd hate to lose. I rushed out of the kitchen and headed for my table. I sighed with relief when I saw the humongous bag sitting on the banquet, right where I'd left it. My waitress approached. I kept my eye on it. That was brave of you to go running in there after hearing a gunshot. She looked pale, and her hands shook as she started to clear the table. Then she paused realizing that there was still food on the plate. You done? I smiled at her. Not sure how good a smile it was. Yes, and thank you for watching my things. I'm very grateful. I fished in the bag for my credit card and handed it to the server. The adrenaline was fading, and I sat down to catch my breath and think. Before I could do much conjugating, two police officers entered the front door, followed by two paramedics with a stretcher. They all walked quickly toward the kitchen. One of the officers shouted, No one leave! We need to talk to everyone! A few people groaned, but I noticed several seemed thrilled to be a part of the excitement. The waitress returned with the credit card and slip and cleared the rest of the table, leaving my glass of ginger ale. I quickly checked inside my purse and, satisfied, placed two $20 bills underneath the salt shaker. I could afford it, and the waitress had done me a favor. I sipped my soda gratefully and noticed the restaurant was about half full. I hadn't eaten here in years, but it had been close to the address where I'd gone with a summons. The place looked old-fashioned, maybe updated with new furniture, fixtures and a deep red carpeting. Booths lined the back wall and tables filled in the center. All had white linen tablecloth and napkins. 
a candle, and glass salt and pepper shakers. The food was better than average, and I decided to come more often. Unless someone being shot was a regular thing. I wasn't surprised to see Officers Anders and Peterson approach from the kitchen. The waiter who had been with me during the chase followed them at a distance. Both officers slipped into the booth opposite me. Peterson, at least six feet five and painfully thin, pulled out a notebook. Anders looked at me for a few beats. Blonde. Attractive. I knew he was interested in me, but no way was I going to get involved with a police officer. Besides, I had Steve. Tell us what happened. Anders' blue eyes watched me. I stilled my body. It had a mind of its own that wanted to twitch. Held back a sigh, then told them everything I knew. Peterson looked up from his notebook. Did you get any part of the license plate number and the model of the car? I sighed. Most modern cars look the same to me. I can recognize the makes from their logos, but model year and name? <laughs> Afraid not. It seems recent, looked well kept. I saw an F and a V on the license with other letters in between them, but that's all. Did you ask the waiter who was with me if he saw it? Both men stared. Who was with you? Anders asked. I motioned to Craig hovering in the corner to come over and introduced everyone. The men shook hands. Have a seat. Anders gestured to a space next to me and I scooted over and took a sip of my ginger ale. Warm, but somehow comforting because of the warmth. Craig told him what he remembered. He didn't see any letters on the license plate, but he thought the car was a Honda or a Kia. Probably stolen, Peterson frowned as he wrote in his notebook. The restaurant door flew open, letting in a gust of cool late autumn air. Detective Bruder strode inside, his black leather duster flying. He wore his usual expression of anger and impatience. His glance flicked around, stopped an extra second at our table, and then he walked to the kitchen door and disappeared. I took a deep breath. Dealing with Bruder was always a chore. He didn't like P.I.s. He didn't like female P.I.s in particular. And he really didn't like me. The feeling was mutual. I wished for a female head detective for our small town, but you can't have everything. The paramedics brought out the stretcher with the victim and hurried out the door. The room grew eerily quiet for a few beats, then excited voices started up again. Bruder didn't stay long in the kitchen. He came bursting out and headed for our table, frowned at me. You shoot the guy in the kitchen? What? No! I quickly closed my gaping mouth and studied him. Couldn't tell if he was joking or not. He rarely did, but sometimes it happened. He grinned. Oh, it wasn't pretty. Bear-like. He had straight black hair, a little too long. Brown eyes that looked soft and thin lips. I had begun to think he was a lot smarter than he looked or acted, but I couldn't be sure. He didn't attempt to sit down with us. 
just stood there, barking questions. Craig and I had to repeat everything we'd said before. I noticed that the other patrons were becoming restless. Voices were raised, faces angry looking. Bruder ignored it all and doggedly continued his questioning. He finally turned away and headed for the door. I picked up my battle bag. May I go now? I asked Anders in my sweetest voice. He nodded. Everyone stood up. I turned to Craig. Could I speak to you a moment before I leave? He shrugged. Sure. We walked toward the door. You know the victim. Tell me about him. We stopped in the small vestibule. Craig stared over my shoulder and didn't say anything for a few moments. His name is Jesse Ellis. Cook. He's been here longer than I have, so... More than three years? Craig stopped talking. I quirked an eyebrow. Something I'd practiced in the mirror. I like to be prepared for anything. Thus, the battle bag. Is he a good cook? What's he like? Craig shrugged. He's pretty good, actually. But he's impatient. Easily angered. And you're a man of few words. You like him? Dislike him? Indifferent? He on drugs? Craig shrugged again. Indifferent? I suspect he's a user or an alcoholic, but I have no proof. Any known enemies? Owes a lot of money? Girlfriend problems? Come on, Craig, the more I know, the better. Craig looked me in the eye and cocked his head. Why are you asking me all these questions? Has someone hired you? That why you were eating here? I kept my gaze steady, although I was startled by the questions. No, I'm not working this. I have an interest because we chased the shooter. To be more precise, the person we thought was the shooter. Why did you do that anyway? His gaze shifted to the wall behind me. I don't really know. It felt like the right thing to do at the time. What do you do besides serving meals, Craig? I take online courses at the University of Rhode Island, finishing up a biology degree this term. Then I plan to get a master's in marine biology. That's great. I'm a URI graduate myself. Criminal justice. He met my gaze again and smiled. I realized it was the first time I'd seen him do that. It was a nice smile. But what little attraction I'd first felt for him had faded. Talking to him was difficult. He seemed closed off. Not uncomfortable about it, though. Anything else you can tell me about Jesse Ellis? Since I've known him, he's had a lot of girlfriends, and the relationships always ended badly. I think he's an abuser, but I don't have any real proof. He trash talks about women a lot. Maybe we should rethink that the shooter was male. Hell hath no fury. Craig smiled again. Maybe we should. I really need to get back to work, Miss Mitchell. Paula. I held out my hand. Thanks for talking to me. Take care of yourself and good luck with your studies. We shook, he nodded, and we parted. I walked out the door, thinking. Someone shouted my name. I turned to see Steve waving at me. He rushed forward. 
Are you all right? I heard there was a shooting here, on the news. I shifted my purse so I could hug him. I'm fine. Let's go to my office. I had paperwork to do. Oh, joy. And what had happened finally hit me. I shivered in the late autumn air. Who would shoot someone in the leg? And why? This is Ariel Lynn, and I'd like to dedicate this narration to my late Uncle Steve. This reading of Haunting Dreams was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about this book and the author on her website, janchristensen.com. Now, if you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can help make a difference. We'd like to give a shout out to our new patron, Kim Davis. Thanks so much for your support. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. For more mystery podcast fun, check out the Poisoned Pen Bookstores podcast. Authors such as Diana Gabaldon, James Rollins, Michael Connolly, Janet Ivanovich, and Jacqueline Winspear are regular guests on the Poisoned Pen Bookstores podcast of Conversations with Authors. Go to poisonedpen.podbean.com to search for your favorite authors or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it, as this helps make us easier for others to find. And until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery. Mystery.